This is Mark Marble, and this is kind of the Lantern Cast. This, this is a Lantern Cast mini episode. We'll be, I will be discussing Saw X. So when I do these episodes, I usually like to give the disclaimer because one person, from a semantic perspective, one person's spoilers may not be spoilers for other people. So I want to make it clear this is a inherently spoiler-free review. We're not going to go into revealing anything that's you, that isn't already available based on, and that's how I really define these things, that if it's a plot point that's crystal clear in the trailer, it's open for discussion in a in a, in a non-spoiler review, just like if it's a, something is in the official synopsis, it's available. You know, if that is already out there, then that's fair game. So I'm not going to be talking about specific traps. I'm not going to be talking about who lives or dies. The only thing, and I don't consider this a spoiler to begin with, but the only thing you can consider, and I'm using air bunnies as I'm talking, is I will be talking about how this movie is structured and how it's paced, just because if you're a fan of Saw and you haven't seen this movie yet, and you're going to go see it or you're thinking about going to see it, knowing about what makes this movie different compared to the other Saw movies is kind of important so, because if you know it going in, it probably will be less jarring. It will take away from your enjoyment potentially of the movie. If you don't go in, if you don't have that information, then maybe the change might be a little more striking and it may take harder to kind of like roll with it, I suppose. So speaking of that, let's be basic. The basic plot of this movie, which of course has been out there from since the trailer is that this number one, this movie takes place between saw and saw two. So, and this is all about John Kramer seeking experimental treatment for his his brain tumor dealt with, which which of course fans of the series will know. And once they you get specifics in this movie, yes, this is the treatment that John Kramer was trying to get health insurance approval for in Saw Six that both the insurance company and Dr. Gordon denied, though probably not for these reasons, because they didn't necessarily think it was completely fraudulent. They just didn't think conceptually it was viable or he wasn't a good candidate based on his age and other factors that's why i think the insurance company pretty much pulled the plug on that because of the fact that he was a bad risk if you will but the actual treatment ironically enough that that he was trying to get in saw six but was denied as we find out in this movie it was fraudulent it was just a scam to take money away from dying people which of course doesn't really sit well with john kramer and that sets the plot the traps, the games in motion. Now, related to that, this movie, unlike other Saw movies, is linear. So this is not a movie that's going to be jumping back and forth between multiple stories going on at the same time, even if you don't necessarily know if they're actually really occurring concurrent or not, or one happened before, or it's just structured where you're following this POV, that POV. This is a straightforward narrative. So it breaks that part of the Saw cycle. This is all one story. It's linear. And John Kramer is the protagonist in the story. There's So if we get the first Saw movie completely from John Kramer's POV, he is the main character in this movie. And you explore, because of that, you explore his relationship with Amanda, 
which makes sense because again, between Saw and one Saw and Saw Two, this would be kind of like the peak time that Amanda and John Kramer would be on the same page. And you they explore that mentor-mentee relationship, father-daughter relationship. But you also but you also but they also are clever enough to con- to lay breadcrumbs that will eventually lead you where these characters go. So I thought that I thought that was an I thought that was a really nice touch in this movie. I also thought from a from a moral perspective, this movie perhaps more than any others com- completely deals with the moral compass question. That we know John Kramer does some really horrible things in the pursuit from his perspective of trying to achieve a greater good. Par- a parallaxian view of how of how to, how to do things and go about things. Now this movie deals with it head on because they're not sometimes it's subtle oftentimes it's not subtle because there's direct conversations in this movie at times between characters about moral compass and who are you to you know um, who are you to lecture me on a, on a moral compass that's an interesting question and debate that we haven't gotten a lot of in saw movies up front I mean you know John Kramer's basic philosophy of making people appreciate their lives but this adds a different layer to it and it, and it works and it also shows you that there is morality to John Kramer even when Regardless of how he's going about things and whether you agree with how he's going about things, there is a morality. And he, and he in most of in almost everybody, he really isn't doing this to be malicious and he's hoping they learn from it. In fact, you can make a case in this movie. And when you get towards the end, then maybe some characters actually get a, a better deal than they should have gotten based on things that they've done to other people in this movie. But John Kramer's morality comes through. If you watch the movie, you'll, especially at the end, you'll understand where, you know, his moral compass does does come through in this movie so i think it works i think it is it ranks right up there with the best saw movies there's no doubt about that for me saw three despite the fact that it literally was the last jedi of the saw franchise because it ran the franchise into a ditch they could never get out of for as a movie it was pretty brave pretty courageous and even before the big surprise ending and what they did with jigsaw and amanda the reality is I think the movie works and it's really enjoyable and the twists and turns in that movie are really, really good. So Saw 3 for me is probably my favorite. Saw 6, which many people like Saw 6. Saw 6, and even though this movie kind of like gives you a different view on that treatment, it's more like a Jeff Con than a retcon because it adds context. It recontextualizes Saw 6, but they were smart in Saw 6 to begin with to even the trap that was involved with... Uh, all the insurance people that they made it clear that this wasn't like a one-off thing that they kind of like did something they shouldn't have done to John Kramer. They've been, they were doing this for a lot of people not really caring. So that when they deny that, that guy coverage for, cause he had, a, he now has heart disease, but he had oral surgery like 20 years ago and he never supposedly put it down on his insurance form. So they use that as a justification to deny him coverage now when he, when he, when he really needs it. So they make it clear, even in that movie, that they were being punished for a whole litany of sins. So even though you kind of get a re, you get a kind of like a recontextualization of the of the John Kramer part of what happened in Saw Six related to the insurance company, it doesn't change that the whole process was broken and the people were really being put out there and punished appropriately. But I think three and six are my favorite. This one probably is right up there now. I think it certainly works better than Spiral, even though Spiral for what it was was okay. Spiral. And Jigsaw didn't, Jigsaw was kind of, I go back and forth on Jigsaw. I don't dislike it, but because of the dual narratives in Jigsaw, 
And because once again, this and this is a problem they have with the series. I actually had a discussion online with uh, another Saw fan who really seemed intent on, oh, they should pick up the story after Saw 7. That's what they haven't done. And it's like, well, first of all, Carrie Elways is never going to come back full time to the series. He's not exactly proud of his ties to this franchise, though he's well aware between Princess Bride and Saw. Those are the things people remember him for and probably will always remember him for first and foremost. It took a lot of heavy lifting just to get him come back to do the quote unquote last one in Saw 7, 3D, final chapter, whatever you want to call it. Could it possibly be done to bring Carrie always back for one more movie if you threw enough money at him? Probably. But then you'd be kind of like up the creek because what are you going to do? Even if you definitively resolve that character's arc, what does that mean? You're going to set the stage for another apprentice, Dr. Gordon's apprentice to take over? Because that's the ultimate problem with this franchise. They've tried multiple times to give us a new jigsaw killer or an heir to the throne. And it's never worked because people want it to be John Kramer, just like people don't want just someone with a hockey mask killing people. Certainly during the heyday of Friday the 13th, it had to be Jason doing it. Now, they, I think they had a chance and saw if they hadn't taken Amanda down the road, they did. They probably could have. Had, she People think would have been on board with Amanda. They could have been on board with that. But they kind of ran, again, that Saw 3 decision-making kind of ran everything into a ditch. So I think they're smart enough to know that this movie people want John Kramer. So um, unless you're going to do a full-on reboot, pretty much this was conceptually, this was very clever. And this is probably the way to go if you're going to do this. So there could very well be another one, if not between uh, Saw and Saw 2. Could definitely be one between Saw 2 and Saw 3. That's what I would suspect they'll do next because this movie is definitely, from a financial perspective, it's done fairly well. I believe it made 183 million dollars on opening weekend and i know box office pro was only predicting this was going to do 13.5 which kind of bothered me that not the deadline hasn't done this before and this is why a beautiful example though in a non-important way of why people don't like don't trust and just hate the media because they have to spin everything and they can't just report facts they have to try to manipulate them that deadline made it sound like oh you know 18.3 right at the time 18 because no that was just an estimate the 18 that oh that's good but you know it didn't meet the tracking number of like 20 million now for what it's worth again this could be spin as well Lionsgate pushed back pretty quickly to say we were never tracking this movie to do 20 million and like I said box office pro only had it to doing 13.5 the only site that I saw calling for this movie to make over 20 was the numbers and the numbers uses their own formulas and to be perfectly honest they're while they have a, they're a great site for research and and numbers related to budget and comparison charts between movies, they give you a lot of information that Box Office Mojo used to give you before IMDb bought them, and now it's kind of like almost useless other than release dates. But the numbers projections for opening weekend on a movie or even holds are often wrong. They were the only ones that I saw calling for this movie to do over $20 million. Maybe Deadline's internal numbers said that. I don't think they were predicting that. If they made predictions, I certainly know Box Office Pro, which is more of a standard in the industry and uses traditional formulas, they were only calling for 13.5. So even if the range was 13 to 20 or 10 to 20, the reality is the movie would not have failed tracking. It would have fallen right exactly in the higher end of tracking. But Deadline does this a lot. They did the same thing with in reverse for Guardians 3. Guardians 3 opened up around 118 million. 
They said it exceeded its tracking number. It didn't because it was tracking 110 to 120. It's just that most people were actually, when push came to shove, they were picking a smaller number because they thought the movie was based on the fact that the movie had continually dropped in tracking for months that they figured it was continue to drop. But instead, it, it did better. It did better than the formulas would tell you a movie was supposed to do based on its Friday and Saturday. It was supposed to do. People were saying the estimates were 115 till you woke up Monday morning and it did 118. But still fell in the range, so it didn't exceed its tracking. But Deadline's also the one that wants us to believe that uh, Dial of Destiny is only going to lose a hundred million dollars, despite the fact that, despite the fact that the movie cost three hundred million dollars to make, and it was always, always being. We were told months before this movie opened that this movie had to make close to nine hundred million dollars to guarantee profitability. And at least had to make 750, which we would be like the two and a half times multiplier. It didn't even make $400 million. And yet they're trying to, they, they wrote an article like a month ago trying to spin it that during its theatrical run, it's only going to lose $100 million. Find that difficult to believe when it didn't even make $100 million more than its production budget. And with advertising and with everything else, very doubtful. But that's, that's the nature of where we are in 2023. Now, back end point related to Saw. There is a mid-credit scene, which is very, which is very important across the board because if you're watching the movie, the the odds are this what what the mid-credit scene deals with is something that's going to cross your mind at some point. Going, hey, what about? Well, it's not a it's not a dangling plot point for long. When you get to the mid-credit scene, it's dealt with, and it also helps. There's also some nice fan service, which is which makes perfect sense where you are in the franchise in this. You know, between Saw and Saw 2, there's some nice fan service involved in that scene too. But I, you definitely should wait and stay for the mid credit scene because it's a most people really like the mid credit scene to begin with. But like I said, it does answer a an unanswered question, a plot point that you might have watching the movie one way or the other. Like, hey, what about this character? And this, and what did this character know? And Bolton, well, this makes it crystal clear when you get to the when you when you get to the end. So I would definitely recommend Saw X. Uh, this is probably the best. Well, like I said, this is the best Saw movie for me since six. But this is certainly one of the. It's the one that hasn't disappointed me at all. I it really met my expectations, and it was different, but it was different in a good way. And it's good to see that it's just and oh, related to that, which I didn't want to gloss over too much. This is actually a, a, a Saw movie that actually surprisingly has gotten really good critic scores. As of when I'm recording this, it still has an 83 on Rotten Tomatoes from a critic score and a 91% from an audience score. So this movie is clearly doing well across the board. And since the movie only cost like about $13 million to make, there's no doubt at this point, considering the movie worldwide has already made, I think, uh, made like close to 30, like 28 heading into Monday's box office. So the reality is, the, you know, the movie is going to be profitable because you know it's going to make three times its production budget. It's pretty safe to say it's going to make three times its production budget just theatrically at this point, let alone streaming and everything else. So it's good to see that while obviously it's not at the height of where this franchise was before, like Paranormal Activity really did a number on it, but it's good to see there's life, like, life left in this franchise, certainly compared to something like the expendables and things like that, that are really trying to get blood from a stone. So I would definitely highly recommend saw X. And I think that's going to be it. 
This is Mark from the Lantern Cast, and Chad and I will talk to you soon. Good night, everybody.